saying he went into the synagogue and began to teach. His orders. For the Holy Scripture, Lord, I pray in these next few moments as we look at the scripture, God, that we would uh, see, it would be like a mirror to us, God. God, that we would see things in ourselves that need to change, see things in our lives that need to change, see things even in our church that need to change. God, see, I pray that we would see ourselves the way you see us. God, I pray that we would begin to see the things that we need to do to follow this new teaching that you brought. Lord, I pray that you would set the captive free this morning. God, I pray that you would bring strength to those who are weak. God, I pray that you would touch those who are downtrodden. I thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So what struck me about this scripture is this. There is a way of doing church that doesn't upset the devil. There is a way of doing church where the devil just sits there with his mouth shut and is fine with it. There's a way of teaching religious laws that keeps the devil quiet. There is a way to do Oh, you don't, you say that's not true. The devil preached a sermon to Jesus in the wilderness, right? A three-point sermon with an altar call at the end. Right? Bow to me and everything that you see will be yours. The devil knows more scripture than you do. Oh, well, that's not true. I've memorized the Pentateuch. I can sing the song and list all the books of the Bible. The devil knows scripture. And the devil is fine with scripture being taught in a specific way. But what upsets the devil... Is when Jesus comes along. Or when you come along and start teaching the Jesus way. There is a way of doing church and a way of preaching and speaking about God that the devil is fine with. There's a way of doing church that's full of accusation and judgment, gossip and backbiting that plays right into the devil's hands. And he won't make a peep. What did, reread it. It says, they said, they said about Jesus, he teaches not like these other people that teach religious law. Religious law. What are, and we're going to read in a little bit what, some of what Paul says about the law. But when Jesus came along, it was a different story. And the devil got mad. There's a way, okay, I just want to make sure I got everything out of my notes. There's a way of doing church that's full of accusation, judgment. I said that. There's a way of teaching the scripture that is obviously devilish. Well, how can you say that about scripture? Well, Jesus experienced it in the wilderness. And I just whistled. I didn't mean to whistle. (laughs) Every time I say the word shrimp, I may whistle. 
And so anything that has the SH combination, you might hear a whistle out of me. I'm not trying to be weird. It just sometimes happens. I'm sorry. I just didn't want you to sit. Be sit I wanted to be out in front of it. I didn't want you to be sitting there thinking, did he just whistle? Is somebody whistling? There's a way of doing church that, the devil, that is devilish. <clears throat> there is a way. And, and when you think about the wilderness, you know, he told Jesus, turn the stone to bread. You know, feed yourself. Make sure your belly gets full. Throw yourself down off of this. And this, this is the one that fascinates me, that, that Jesus finds himself at, on the top of the, uh, the temple, and he is tempted to jump. That's fascinating to me. That's fascinating. And it should be encouraging to us to know that Jesus found himself sometimes in that place and was tempted. And then he was tempted to bow. He said, everything you've ever wanted, I'll give it to you. And we're tempted the same way, right? Sometimes we will use people, abuse people, do things just to get what we want. Okay, there's a way of preaching and teaching that plays right into the enemy's hands. The teachers of the law did not interfere with the devil. Did you notice what the devil in the man said? Why are you interfering with us? He was in the temple. And he said, why are you interfering with what we're doing? There are churches this morning that have the devil sitting there nodding his head to everything that comes out of the preacher's mouth. There are churches this morning that the devil's holding the microphone. Lord, I hope it's not this one. It's happening. God help us. God help us. All right, so what was it that Jesus was teaching that caused this? Mark doesn't really give us a, a clear picture. He just says that he was teaching and they were amazed. Well, thankfully, we have Luke. Luke gives us an account of the kind of stuff that Jesus was teaching. And then Luke tells um, this same story in a little different way. So Luke uh, 4, 16 through 17. Uh, so let me give you my first point. There's a way of doing church that the devil's okay with. There's a way of preaching and talking about um, God that the devil's fine with. <clears throat> when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. That's good preaching. The devil doesn't like that kind of preaching. The devil doesn't like good news to the poor. The devil likes the greedy. The devil likes the, the, the thought of get more, get more, get more. The devil likes people to oppress other people. The devil likes people to hold people in captivity. The devil likes people to be held captive to sin. So the devil will get mad when you start preaching this way. So if, if, if I say something this morning, and it's something that Jesus has said, and you feel something in you, like rising up and pushing back, it might not be God. 
man, it's quiet in here. If you feel something inside of you pushing back to the words of Jesus, it ain't God. It's the devil. The devil. He doesn't like foosball, and he doesn't like the way Jesus preaches. (laughs) Oh, forgive me. All right, he rolled up the scroll. He handed it back to the attendant. He sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scriptures you just heard, you have just heard, has been fulfilled this very day. Everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious words that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? And then Jesus says something that gets, almost gets him killed. Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal thyself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. But I tell you the truth, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. Certainly there were many needy widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the heavens were closed for three and a half years and a severe famine devastated the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent instead to a foreigner. Uh Uh-oh. A widow of Zeph. Read something or other in the land of Sidon. And many in Israel had leprosy in the name uh, in the time of the prophet Elisha, but the only one healed was Naaman, a Syrian. And when they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill on which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff. But he passed through in the crowd and went on his way. When Jesus started talking about how God loves the foreigner, people got mad. <clears throat> when he started talking about how God is not, does not solely belong to just them, they wanted to kill him. <clears throat> Another place... Uh, And when he started talking about how God isn't just on their side, they didn't like it. Another place he says to them, just because Abraham is your father does not guarantee you anything. God can make sons and daughters out of these stones. Bring this forward to 2020. How do we talk about foreigners? I'm just asking you, how do you? How do you talk about people who don't look like you? I ran into somebody at the mall yesterday, a church-going man, not here. We started started talking about football, and the conversation came up about um, uh, the combine that's going on right now. So we started talking about that. I'm a bit of a football guy. I like like my football. You may or may not know this. I like the Chiefs. (laughs) May or may not know this. I like Patrick Mahomes. I think he's, anyway, (laughs) a great quarterback. (laughs) What was I talking about? Oh, yeah. And he starts saying things to me. He knows I'm a preacher, and he goes to church. He starts saying racist things to me. I walked away from him. The Jesus way, the Jesus way 
Listen to me. The Jesus way is a way that says all children are God's children. When we look into the book of Revelation and we see what heaven is going to look like, it says from every tribe, from every nation. Nobody has a corner on God. You don't have a corner on God. Jesus was trying to upset people. He was trying to challenge the way they think. He's trying to challenge the way we think. He's trying to challenge the way you think, the way I think. He's trying to upset people today. If Jesus were here today, he'd be run out of a few churches. I'm telling you right now, he would be. Talking like that. Some of you want to run me out here now. There's a way of preaching that will upset nationalists. nationalists. There's a way of preaching that will upset supremacy, people who think that their race is better than another. There's a way of preaching that will upset racists. There's a way of preaching that, that will do those, and let me tell you, that's the Jesus way. That's the Jesus way. And as you start to feel stuff rise up in you, when I start talking about that stuff, that ain't Jesus. And to that end, you need to change. And you need to cast that out. Okay? How does the devil, how does demon possession show its way, show its face today? I believe that there are people like this guy who have to have the devil cast out of him. But I've, I believe that the, the devil is so comfortable in some people that he doesn't have to change much when he's inside of them. And you just see hatred come out of them and vitriol come out of them for people who don't look like them, who don't talk like them, who don't believe like them. <clears throat> some of y'all are wishing I'd preached on communion. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a, there's, there's a way of preaching that will upset those type of people, and then there's a way of preaching that will empower them. There is a way you can take Scripture and give voice to those type of people if you twist it and if you don't interpret it right. And there are pulpits doing that. The devil just sits in the pews and grins. And he holds the mic and grins. There's a way of doing church that will keep the devil quiet. There's a way of doing church that will upset people who are like this. And they, this audience that Jesus had, they were, they were very much nationalists. They very much believed that they were the only ones that God cared about. So they didn't like hearing about how God cared about other people. Hey, I believe God cares about the United States of America, but no more than he cares about the little island of Haiti. No more than he cares about Canada or Mexico. No more than he cares about anybody else. 
Oh, we have great wealth. We're blessed with God. Well, if that's true, then it's only to feed everybody else, not exclude them. Boy, I'm, I'm going to have to go out the back door. <laughs> we are blessed. Why does God put something in our hand so that we can open it and give it out? The only reason that we have so much food in this country. You know how much food we waste in this country? You know how much food we waste? If we would in this country take what we spend on PlayStation 4, not even Xbox, everybody can keep their Xbox, or vice versa, we would solve world hunger. All right, I don't know where this came from, y'all. It's just because I don't have a PS4. <laughs> I've got nothing against Sony either. Just... All right, let's get back to the notes. I'm drifting. <clears throat> there is, and it just struck me in Mark's gospel, that there's a way of gathering together and reading the scriptures that doesn't, doesn't upset the devil. I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that church that gets together every week just to get together and to sing a few songs and to have the preacher make a fool of himself and forget some things and tell a few jokes and make you feel good about how you're living your life and then send you on your merry way. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in real, Jesus-centered church. The kind of church that, that brings about change. The kind of church that brings about change in the community. The kind of church that brings about change in the lives of the people who come. Amen. I don't want to pat you on the back and send you on your way. I want to challenge you to rethink life. To rethink the way you think. To rethink the way you've been taught, maybe. There's a way of doing church and a way of preaching that interferes with the devil. That's the kind of church I want to do. A way of doing church that brings freedom to the captives. That brings hope to the hopeless. That brings new life to the dying. That's the kind of church I want to I I do. Oh, and I, I talked earlier about, and this is in my notes, so I might as well say it about there's a way of, of twisting and interpreting scriptures to make it say basically anything you want. Do you know that in, during the Civil War, you had ministers in the South writing letters defending slavery? You can find them. It's debauchery. It's, it's the most demon-possessed writings you'll ever read. How does, de- how does demonic acti- activity show up today? That's how. It's demon-inspired. It's devil-inspired. Oh, they were just, you know, good old boys. They just didn't know any better. No, it's devil-inspired. It's demon-inspired. And when you feel that way towards another human being, that is devil-inspired. And when you act upon that, then you are possessed by the devil. Okay. Enough uncomfortableness. But you know what? I don't, I don't apologize for talking about this stuff. I, I, I won't apologize for talking about it. Because too many people don't talk about it, and they let the divisions just keep on running. Not the River Church. 
We are called to love everyone regardless of what they believe, of what they say, of how they look, of how they act. We're called to love them. Come on, that's the Jesus way. It's not the Bradley way, it's the Jesus way. Okay. It's 11.09. I'm just rolling through and trying to estimate in my mind about how much time I have left. I'm not going to tell you all. but <clears throat> Romans 7, 18. This is Paul. He says, For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil's right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. I can relate to the Apostle Paul. I mean, I know I talk big up here, you know. But sometimes I know what I need to do, and I still don't do it. Sometimes I know that I need to love, and I still struggle to love. Sometimes I know I need to forgive, and I still struggle to forgive. Sometimes I know that there's something good I need to do for somebody else, and I still struggle to do it. Sometimes I know I need to get off the couch and go do something, and I still struggle to do it. Right? I see myself in the Apostle Paul here. You, if you're honest, you see yourself in the Apostle Paul. Sometimes you know you need to walk away from that thing. You know you need to put down that bottle. You know you need to put down that needle. You know whatever it is. You know you need to walk away from it. But you still can't walk away from it. What wretched people are we? And then he says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Who can rescue me from this body? This body that wants to do good, but just can't. This body that tries to do what's right, but just can't. Who is it that will rescue me? But he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We can't always do what's right. Sometimes we try on our own. We cannot accomplish everything that we want to accomplish. Sometimes we just can't. But thanks be to God who rescues us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is a way of living your life. Paul will go on to tell us at the end, uh, in the next chapter, Romans 8, that there's a way of living your life, yielding unto the Holy Spirit that will help you defeat this law of sin that is inside of you. It is a, it's a way of living that constantly surrenders yourself to the Spirit and to Jesus Christ. Well, some of the things you were talking about today, uh, a Pastor, 
I don't think that way. Then surrender your mind to the Spirit, to Jesus Christ. There is a way of living that brings freedom from sin, that can bring freedom from addiction, that can bring freedom from alcoholism, that can bring freedom from pornography addiction. There is a way of living your life that will free you. And it's found in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what he said in the synagogue. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That's a lot of us. Thank you, Lord. Good news to the poor. He didn't say good news to the rich. The rich just keep on getting richer. Right? Don't feel bad for the rich. They try to make us feel bad for them. I don't. I feel bad for the people who are hungry. Right? I mean, I love the rich. Don't don't let me. If you're rich here today, hey. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Can we be friends? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry, Lord. He said, I've come to bring good news to the poor. To proclaim that the captives will be set free and released. That the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Isaiah the prophet tells us in Isaiah the 40th chapter, He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. That's a great promise. I come on Monday nights sometime and play basketball with the young guys. And I run and get weary. You probably can't even call it running what I do anymore. It's kind of like an old man scoot. (laughs) It's not that funny, Tony. I'm just <laughs> it is like, it's like an old man scoop, but I always get tired. I'm every, almost every single week, I either strain a calf muscle or a hammy or something. And I just will come walking in the door like I can hardly move. So I was like, what's the matter with you? I'm like, nothing, nothing. <laughs> Fine. But if you hope in the Lord, you will run and not get weary. Scripture says here, even, even youths grow tired. Even the young people get tired sometimes. It takes them a little longer than us old people. So, so what am I even talking about this morning? I know I've been all over the place. And again, I didn't, have a, I didn't have as much time as I would like to have put a caboose on this and to land this plane properly. But we're going to try it anyway. My landing gear's down. The communication's been lost in the cockpit and the... But here we go. There is hope for you. There is freedom for the captive today. There is good news for the poor. There is hope for the blind. There is strength for the weak. There's rest for the weary. And it's all found in Jesus. There's a man who will come along and interfere with the work of Satan in your life. A man who comes along and has the keys in the handcuff, to the handcuffs that keep you trapped. Someone who comes along and he shows up at your weakest and lifts you up. Someone who comes along when you're weary and feel like you can't go on anymore. 
Someone who will come along and cause you to mount up with wings like eagles. Someone who can make you run and not grow weary, walk and not faint. When we, like Paul, say, who will rescue me? Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. And if you need rescuing today, Jesus is here. And you know, we already had a time for prayer. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come up and we're going to do communion in just a moment. Jesus is here this morning. And if you need rescuing today, I want you to give in to him. To yield to the spirit. To yield to the spirit that is drawing you. Maybe you're weak. Maybe you're weary. Maybe you can't put down the bottle. Maybe you can't put down the drug. Maybe right now you feel like Paul, like that battle is going on inside of you. Paul will say that earlier in the seventh chapter of Romans, that there is a war going on inside of me. And maybe you feel that war going on inside of you. Maybe you feel God drawing you, but you also feel your flesh and you feel the enemy pulling you in the other direction. I'm here to tell you that God is here today. Jesus is here today and he wants to set you free.